Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It's One Man's Opinion. Thank you, one and all, for downloading, subscribing, liking, favoriting, commenting on this podcast uh, across all the mediums that is found Spotify and Google Play and iTunes and Tuned In and all the great outlets wherever your podcast are formed. Thank you for listening to this uh, episode. It's a good one. 130, 130 episodes in for this one. Remember, everybody, this is uncensored. Put the headphones on, the earbuds in, get the kitties or sensitive ears away from this because especially this episode, probably going to get a little hairy, probably going to speak quite frank at a lot of you. So there uh, there you go. So just be warned there. Welcome to it. This is One Man's Opinion. I am Jeff Manns. You hear me weekday afternoon, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. I host the show Elite Sports. Uh, right there, also Sirius XM Fantasy Football pregame Sunday mornings with Bob Harris, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time every game day Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm also owner and chief content officer over at FantasyGuru.com. All things seasonal fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports, sports betting, data, analysis, podcasts, live streams, chats, discords, optimizers, the my guru tool that helps you set lineups and helps you make trades and waiver pickups and all that. It's all there. It's a one-stop shop for everything you need for fantasy sports, fantasyguru.com. Right now, actually, we still have the special going on that I mentioned in the space last week. If you uh, want to get in daily fantasy football, and or the sports betting on football legalized in I think 31 states thus far, uh, you can get it. It's two for one, 50% off the dual package there, DFS and betting. Get them both for the price of one. Buy one, get one. Boom. There you go. It's the best deal we've I think we've ever ran, especially this early in the season. You know, so get over there and hit us up. Support at fantasyguru.com. Tell them you want the man's special DFS and betting man special and that's right there for you all right you can find me on social media at jeff underscore mans m-a-n-s on twitter the jeff mans everywhere else all one word facebook instagram snapchat and on tiktok so today we're guest free today so it's just my stupid voice that you're going to hear but i've got a lot to say and it, we're going into week number four we have three weeks of the fantasy football season in the books, it's time to start getting real with everything. The feeling out phase is uh, we got one more week of feeling out, and then we got to really hit it hard come week five. Remember, that's the way I play this game it's in quadrants first four weeks, uh, one through four, then five through eight, nine through 12, 13 through well, now it's 13 through 17 through the championship. And the first four weeks are the least important, next four weeks, second least important. The following four weeks are the second most important. And then the most important weeks are weeks 13 through 17. Boom. Win championships, folks. That's what it's all about. And I'll say that's in DFS too. Quite honestly, it's so much better to win at the end of the season than it is the beginning. Why? Well, you won't be tempted to give back. How about that? You'll win a big, I had a huge week 
um, cashed one of my GPP lineups, smashed across the board, placed in the top five in all the high stakes GPPs, won a lot of money doing that. And thus, I'll probably give it all back over the next few weeks in GPPs. If this was week 18, I wouldn't have any I, you know, playoffs. Yeah, I'm never going to spend that kind of money in playoffs. It's fun to play DFS in the playoffs, but I never give it back. So just remember the goals. Stick to the goals. Focus on the goals, and you will be all right. So there we go. All right, let's get into it uh, real quick. A lot to do. I'm going to get into some buy low, sell high for folks out there. I'm going to try to calm some people's nerves about elite stars or early round picks that you should be holding on to. Um, I'll tell you who to sell high on. I'll tell you who to buy low on over the course of this show. We'll talk about my new dual backfield strategies. We'll talk about the Superman's Bowl contest over at superdraft.com. So first three weeks was first come, first serve. Everybody's in. And now we'll review the leaderboards on that contest. But you have to be a Superdraft user. You don't have to play regularly. It's great if you do, but... You have to have played at least one contest on superdraft.io in order to qualify. So a prop bet, a DFS contest, baseball, football, it doesn't matter. It could be anything. Just you have to play in at least one contest, and then you're eligible uh, over there as well. I'll get into that a little bit later on also. So we'll do a reminder of what's most important with running backs and wide receivers. I'll get into that today. And we'll start out reviewing a little bit of week number three. And so let me just dive into it. Um, Depending on when you're listening to this episode and the show, if you are a Fantasy Guru subscriber and my cash game breakdown is already live on the site, goes live at about 10 p.m. Eastern time on Friday nights, uh, you will have already read a very, very direct very i won't say angry because i'm not that angry but passionate i suppose it's direct and it's going to piss you off and quite frankly i want to piss you off just right to your face stand right nose to nose with each and every one of you and say i want you upset i want you mad at me that's fine once you mad at yourselves i want because here's the deal I can't care more about your teams than you do. And when I say teams, I understand that for some of you out there, you're casual players. Totally. And I love it. Fucking dream of the day I could play this for casual. And it was one my favorite times is when I was doing this as a hobby, when it was fun. Right. That's most of you. Okay. However, let I want you to understand my point of view and what happens when you're a full-time analyst. This is your job. No different than anybody else's job. And I think that gets confusing because this is a hobby for a lot of people. It's fun for a lot of people. It's a distraction for a lot of people. And that's good. I want you all to feel that way. However, I can't take it that lightly. I have to pretend that Every one of you are on your last dollar bill that your rent, your meals, your dinner, your life is beholden to the advice 
and recommendations and analysis that I provide has to, otherwise it doesn't work. All right. I heard people this week on, let's say some out, some uh, outlet, uh, audio outlet somewhere across the world. Won't say who, but I heard a guy like, Hey, I went to sleep before halftime of the Monday night game. And I'm just like, wow, you are, Literally just saying fuck right off to everybody who listens to you. Fuck it. You're not important. Yeah, this is my job, but I got to get my eight hours, you know? Why? Why do you have to get your eight hours? And why do you have to sleep during football games? You're going on national platform and to do your job, which is to give insight and analysis for a game that you didn't even watch. Um. Is this acceptable anywhere else? Is this okay? You go to a restaurant and chef's like, nah, fuck, I didn't cook that shit. I just fucking threw it in the microwave. I fuck. You're like, well, I paid $50 for my meal. Uh, I Yeah, but I fuck, I was tired. Threw it in the microwave, said fuck up. Oh, okay. Your investment guy, how many, you look at our 401ks and our IRAs and not, any investments these days, uh, and you're like, dude, He's like, fuck off. I was in the, yeah, I know the market was crashing, but I went to the Bahamas. Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a trip to uh, Mozambique. I went on safari. It's like, oh, okay. Just so which the, what side, where do I sign to go fuck myself? Okay, right here. Cool. Is this okay? And I hope that's understood that that's my job. This is what I have to, I have to take it so much more seriously than normal people, regular folks, most of you listening, right? And you want me to do that. You want me to take this shit seriously. You want me to act and give analysis as if it's I mean, my money or anything else. For one, like my, I, even as a player, I'll say some of you are more casual than I am, even as a regular player. I, you know, I'm getting yelled at and screamed at during the games. And I'm talking the first quarter of the first set of games on Sunday. I'm getting just chewed out by my own subscribers, my own people, right? And they're telling me I'm shit and this and fuck and I'm wrong and this and that. And like nothing has even happened. Nothing is finalized. Nothing's done. It's one quarter of one game of one week of one season. And they're just chastising. And mind you, they have, let's say, what's an average, it's like it's $100 the average buy-in for a fantasy league. I think most uh, DFS players spend on average about $150 per week on da daily fantasy football. Okay. Um, sports better. I don't have those numbers, but let's say hundred, let's just roll with a hundred dollars. You have in play in sports betting or NFL betting on a weekend. Some are high, some are low or whatever. Okay. I've got $5,000 invested my own money not anybody else's not you know anything not found this is i've two well one kid in college another one about to go to college i got another one in junior high school i've got uh, a disabled brother i provide for i've got family members i provide for i've got you know a lot of expenses too my money's important not any more important than anybody else's but um how about understanding that i'm not trying to fuck you Right? I'm not trying to screw you over. I'm sitting here 
on the website with you in in the Discord channels, even on Twitter when I'm there, even though Twitter's become a cesspool. And I mean, Twitter's just that I expect it off of Twitter nowadays. I do not expect it on our platform and service. So what I wrote in the cash game breakdown this week, I'll go live on Friday. Is just, if you don't like it, go fuck yourselves. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Like, I don't know what else I can do. I'm there's nobody better at giving this analysis. I think than I am. There's not, not a person that's better equal to on the same level uh, and it maybe they're better, but I'm right there with them. It's not, there is no, there's nobody. I mean, I, I will challenge Sean McVay. If he wants to talk, uh, I want to, I will challenge him to a football knowledge contest and, you know, maybe he beats me, but I won't embarrass myself the way Nate Hackett is embarrassing himself in Denver right now. I know this game inside and out. Just not even, it's not a question. It's not, meh. it's because I don't go to sleep when the games are on. I watch every minute of every game. I rewatch every minute of every game. I go back in time and history and know that I have 32 years of experience playing the game. I have 45 years of experience watching these games. I have about a seven-year window of playing this game. Uh, many more if you count all of our Saturday morning, Ted and I, playing Saturday mornings out in the park, hung over his shit back in our early mid twenties. Even fuck man. We did that into our thirties, I think. Yikes. But uh, I I know this thing inside now. And if you want to follow, you want to get on, on board, let's go. I have your best interest at heart. I will never let you down, but I can't help a David Montgomery injury. I can't help a Trey Lance injury. I can't help bad play calls and decisions. I can lean into it. I could put us in the best situation possible. And that's what I do. So y'all need to calm the fuck down. And quite frankly, I, I think there's a whole bigger thing going on. It's the least amount of work I've ever seen people do to prepare for a fantasy football season. I see all the numbers, people coming in, where you're going, you know, um, even the leagues themselves, FFPC and NFFC, that there were no draft. I mean, the drafts were not filling until the last week of the season. And even day before the season started, that Wednesday, I mean, you're filling. Now it's super busy. Everyone was late to the party. And thus, I think by being late to the party, there's a lot of you folks out there that are confused. You're, you're not, you didn't pay attention this offseason. Didn't pay attention to the preseason. You're just kind of rolling up. And thus, you are unsure. But listen, that's what you got me for, man. This is, I'm your advocate. I'm on your fucking side here. I want you to win. In my entire career, there are very few who have ever done this for 12 plus years the way I have. On national radio, you ever wonder where, how come all these other shows come and go, come and go? Sites come and go. Even at our own staff, they come, they go. You ever notice there's one stupid, big-faced idiot that I'm just kind of always here? No matter what everybody else is doing and trying to do, and everybody's trying to get involved in TV, and they're trying to get their own sites, and they're trying to go to this site and make more dollars here. They're all just trying to figure out ways to get more money for doing less work. I just set up camp here. I built Fantasy Alarm. Then came over here because I had more opportunity. And I planted my roots here. 
at Fantasy Guru. And I'm staying here and this is what I do. And this is my home. And this is what I, I'm here for you guys all the time. But I'm on your side. I want you to win. I've never in my entire career not helped somebody and said, hey, Jeff, I'm 0-3, struggling in this league. Can you take a moment? Help me out. I mean, my God, that's what I live for. That's what I dream of. That's what I want to do. So, yes, not only will I help you, fuck, man, I've done a lot of shit over the years, paid for people's entry fees when I gave bad advice. I've uh, I've, care- I've had them be weekly phone callers. You guys know the 0-4 uh, callers, back-to-back years, called my show every week, you know, helping out trades and waivers and starts and sits. I've done everything I can for everybody. But when you come at me and say, nice fucking call, fucking Cordell Patterson, man. Fuck right off. What the fuck are you? The fuck out of my face, man. I am not going to respond to you. I am not going to help you. I don't want to help you. That person, fuck off. If you're going to make this a me versus you thing, I'm going to win. I will win. Period. It's not going to matter. Oh, yeah. You want to win. You're not going to win. You can't take me down. It's fucking impossible. But goddamn gold standard. I know it. Deep down, y'all know it. So just let's be together. There's no sense in the argument. There's no sense in tilting your assholes off every single Sunday. If you have a problem with alcohol or drugs, then don't fucking do them and watch the games or go ahead, do it. I God, fuck. I love alcohol and drugs. I love both, but then stay off the keyboard. Put your fucking phone away. Child, put your phone down. Don't go out in the world. Don't go on social media. Don't go on discord. Grow the fuck up. Handle your shit. Nobody wants to be around the angry drunk. Or the angry high. Nobody wants to be around you. Nobody. And that includes us on Discord. Just don't want it anymore. You know? And I'm going to punt every single one of you into the sky. And let me tell you why. The toxic culture is something that in my life, I've done everything in the world to get rid of, to eradicate. Toxic culture breeds losing. Look at losing organizations. Look at the Washington commanders. You have terrible ownership. It filters it. Even if you bring in good people like Ron Rivera, it, it all, I believe, the culture helps. And let me tell you why I believe that. So though I've been open about my childhood. I've been open about my history. I grew up in a, the most toxic environment, Burbank, Illinois, south side of Chicago, poor, shitty, Fucking, I mean, everything. I, I, it just it was awful. Okay, that's it. There's no other way. Family was awful. Parents were poor. Um, dad lost his job in like 82, 83. Um, didn't have a job for like a year and a half. Welfare, the whole fucking thing. No, all, all the sad story. But, you know, there was always a mantra right around that time when I was old enough to understand six, seven, eight years old. It was always, oh, we're unlucky. We're unlucky. Well, the man's family, black cloud hanging above me. Oh, my whole family knows that one. Black cloud, always a black cloud above us. Always always negative. I grew up like thinking, I just, I was a quiet kid, if you could believe that. And I would just look around like other people, 
other people are doing all right. And even if they're not financially, it's always, they're happy. They have good times. They have, you know, it's, they're a pause. I used to like going to my friend's houses. I always went to my friend's house. Nobody came to my house because I didn't, I was embarrassed by it. I knew it was bad. I loved being around good situations, people, right? I just, I could tell you a million stories. So I've tried not to get into all of them, but that went into, you know, there's a whole thing with me in junior high, moved to the suburbs, got involved in bad shit, um, got called on my bad shit got my ass kicked and got all my friends turned against me for a while um, because I was an asshole, but also because, you know, I, it was a bad, it was a bad culture. Anyway, they all turned on each other down the road. Anyway, that's cause that's what those people did. They just were. And I didn't know it at the time. I thought, Oh, my friends, we grew up together. They weren't, they're were just bad people. And even though they're my best friends at the time, they were bad people. It was a bad environment. My brother got older, was a butcher, successful, moved us out to the suburbs eventually, got involved in another in a group of people that was much better, much more positive environment, much more positive area to live, much more positive school, much more positive everything. And it turned my life around, quite honestly, it just turned the whole thing. And I, I be, went from reciting all my parents' bullshit and my brothers' and sisters' bullshit, black cloud, bad luck, I turned that into saying, why not me? Why not? Fuck that. I'll, I'll win in spite of that. I'll do better in spite of that. All right. Look at, if you know anything about the industry, about my career here, Um, I, I get in my other career, but the government, you guys don't want to hear about that. I left a job two and a half years before I was eligible for a pension because the environment was the worst. I had a friend who I worked with who's murdered. Yeah, murdered. True story. Just had the 12th year anniversary um, about two weeks ago. My guy, Pedro Garola, Oak Park, Illinois. Ter one of the worst fucking things that ever happened. One of my best friends in the world. And man, brings me to tears every time I hear it. Still unsolved murder, by the way. And they would not allow us to go to his funeral. This is, it was so fucking toxic. And I was management at that time. I said, I knew it. I have to get the fuck out of here. And I did. I gave up a whole pension, a whole better lifestyle to pursue something better. And it was the greatest move I ever had. At that time, man, shit, my wife and I weren't getting along. I, the whole thing was bad. I was not a good person to be around. Not that I am now, but, you know, that it's the environment. And then what happened here at Guru Elite, Elite Sports? You guys know. I'm not going to. Nothing against anybody. Peace and love to everybody. But we didn't get along. I didn't think, well, I, I'm people were not focused on the things that should be focused on, which was all of you. Positivity, environment. They were worried about themselves. Their lineups were first. Their bankroll was first. Their plays were first. Their contests were first. Their egos were first. It's never what I, and I don't believe in that. And now they're gone. Almost, you know, everybody's gone. And we are never been more successful in the world than we are right now. And again, to each their own. But it's indisputable facts. And the environment is better. You, you should see, we used to post shit. And, um, 
you know, people, especially in the betting side, and they fucking call people out, and it'd be arguments, and I would always be the one to go in to rescue everybody. You know, so what I'm trying to say is, we're not. I'm not standing for it. Too old. I'm too old to be part of that anymore. And if you want to fight with your analysts, if you want to challenge your analysts in a in a negative way or whatever, um, challenge me with questions, please. Why? What do you think? Don't be an asshole. And you know you're an asshole. I had a real, you know, real good sub subscriber. I mean, no disrespect. This is a good guy. Just the other day says something like, uh, you're selling on Daryl Henderson now after your big victory lap? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Why did you, why do you have to point out the victory lap? Victory lap was for a victory. We won that. If you don't want to continue, do you, would you rather have me continue because I hit on one thing? You want me to keep endorsing that one thing, even though that one thing is now wrong, just because I could hang on to that victory? Is that the analysis you're asking me for? Because that's the way, if I give, if I go down that road and that's my analysis, do you understand it's a lot easier for me and I can get everybody just high-fiving and not be mad at me? But that's not going to help you win at all. It's not a good use of your subscriber dollars, your listen. I don't, whatever you do, if you listen to the podcast for free or you sign up with SiriusXM or Fantasy Guru or even follow on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever the time that you're using for my analysis, do you want me to give you things I don't believe in anymore? Do you want me to gravitate towards my previous wins? Because I can do that easy and I just retire, go off in the sunset. But I don't think that's the way to go about it. And that's where I come from. So I will not allow our Discord to become toxic. This is a place of winners. This is a place of winning. This is a place of supporting each other, helping each other celebrating each other, winning. We will not stand for losing. It's not kumbaya bullshit. This is the real deal, though. But we're not going to go down the road that so many other chat rooms and message boards and everything else has done in the past. I refuse to allow it. I'll kick your ass off. And don't bother emailing support because I am support. You don't understand this. There's nobody in charge of me. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. I don't really have a boss. All right. Do you understand? I hope so. And it's selfish. No, I'm not selfish. It's the truth. But that doesn't mean I'm my own boss. I want, I hold myself to a standard. I won't accept giving you shitty advice. I won't stand for it. No fucking way. We've fired people on staff many times, many times people for not living up to the expectations and we'll continue to do it. And if it's me one day, if I decide, if I end up going down that road, then I'm gone. I will step down. I will leave. Right. Or everybody will gather against me and I'll leave. So let's have that understanding going forward. And you all need to step away from your keyboards, from your phones, step away. Sunday is the day to watch the games, to enjoy those games, to not break televisions, not get into fights with friends or family or 
spouses or girlfriends, boyfriends, kids, or people on Twitter, Facebook, or Snapchat, or Instagram, or the Fantasy Guru Discord. Take that shit somewhere else. It won't be stood for, period. Okay, way too much time on that shit. But that's that's my recap. Because quite frankly, nothing else matters. If you can't handle your shit, you're doomed to fail. And I don't got time for failures. Let's get into what matters. All right, let, let's now look at some player analysis because I know that's what you really want. Um, and rightfully so. So what matters when it comes to, listen, running backs? This is, it's 2022. Running backs are a completely different breed than what they used to be. The old gray mare, yeah, she ain't what she used to be. And there are very few running backs that are providing anything close to what we thought we were getting. It's why we told you a million times, go back, that all these podcasts, from the last all preseason are here. You can just go back and listen. You want to hear advice that was on? There you go. Uh, best player available. Best player available. Not running back. Don't say the next best running back. I really want to build running back. I really want to be running back. I heard that too this week. I heard somebody say, oh, well, I, I always draft a running backs first and second. I want depth at running back. Having depth at running back now is the biggest sin you could have committed in 2022. Imagine if you went running back, running back, running back. Fuck. If you got one running back, top three rounds, you're that running back is shitting the bed. If you drafted three of them, you got like, you're fucking, you're tanked. You're definitely Owen three. So was not a good idea from the jump, but there's plenty of ways to get back. Here's what you need to look at. What matters at the running back position? You want to look at value. Who's really valuable. Stop looking at random early season occurrences. It just doesn't matter. Okay. What you need to look at for long-term success and value at that position, snap percentage. Total snaps is the best way to go. The most snaps mean the most opportunities, almost always lead to the most opportunities for a running back. All right. That's what really matters. And if we look at those parameters, the most snaps of any running back in the National Football League through three weeks. Who do you, by the way, this is a great question. Who do you guys think it is? Who do you think has the most snaps of any running back in professional football? All right, I can't do the whole thing. It's Devin Singletary. (laughs) Yeah. Devin Singletary. Now, Singletary only has uh, he has 67 total snaps, 72% of his team's snaps. So I like the snap percentage more than overall, but you you kind of have to weigh them both at this point, right? You, you have to weigh them both because a guy like Singletary is a lot more value than you think. He's only has a 39.1% rush share. That is the percentage of rush attempts in his backfield, okay? But he's got a 19.3% target share. That's better than almost every other running back in the National Football League. You know what I mean? So much more valuable. That's what matters. Second is Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley, by the way, is he's the king right now. Most fantasy 
well, he's the most fantasy points, but this is what I'm talking about. Why does he have the most fantasy points? Because he's got a 91.7% snap share and he has 66 snaps, second most in the National Football League. That's the reason why. So this is what matters. Okay. That's what means something. Everything else, Singletary, by the way, he was drafted as 28th running back off the board. He's currently 21st in fantasy points. All right. And he's doing that, by the way, with just fucking 170 total yards, 80 yards rushing, and only one touchdown. So good times that, you know, if he holds that up, Devin Singletary is going to be hella useful an incredibly useful piece for us going forward. All right. So that is really what matters being on the field. That's it. Just, just being on the field. That's the first step. All right. Total snaps is good. As I mentioned too. Now we start getting after that, that all right. Everybody should get that by the way, Barkley Fournette, in this order, highest snap percentage. There's the only two above 90, which, by the way, but being above 90 in today's day and age is fucking ludicrous. It's beyond comprehension. It really, It's just beyond anything you could possibly think. However, uh, it won't last up in the 90s, but this is where they start, you know, running backs get dinged up and, you know, that happens. But it's why Barkley is number one in fantasy football at the running back position. Fournette is 19. A little lower than you'd think. He had a shitty last week. McCaffrey, so both of them are over 90. McCaffrey's third, 80.3, though, only. They're the only three above 80%. All right, now, a week ago, I went over this on the XM show, and I talked about um, Najee Harris, who is now climbing up there as well. He's climbing up there. Or I'm sorry, McCaff. So wait, it's Saquon first. It's Fournette second. McCaffrey third. Only three above. Fuck. Only three above eighty. They're the only three above eighty percent snap share. Then you got Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon. Only five above seventy percent. That's it. And Joe Mixon, by the way, for v- people very disappointed about Mixon. Yeah, okay. But he is running back 16. It's not that terrible, right? He's not that bad. But he's got, I mean, Mixon's got 16.3% target share. He's got a 66.7% rush share, which, by the way, I hate to break this too. That's higher than Saquon Barkley, actually. Barkley's rush share is only 58.9. Mixon's 66.7. So... Um, and Joe Mixon is number one in the National Football League in touches, 71 touches this season. So we're that's this is what that's the chain. Total, I think snap percentage first and foremost. You want the highest percent possible of total snaps. Then you want total snaps. Make sure you get in you're accounting for certain offenses like the Bills that run a, a ton of plays that maybe aren't get a high percent. They split their their backfield a little bit. It's more 
or even 40, 40 with a, you know, somebody else coming in for the other 23 way, which is what the Buffalo essentially does. But you get that higher volume anyway, because the snaps, and then you go to touches. You can just fuck right off with all the efficiency stats, yards per carry yards per touch yard. Don't even worry about that yet. It's not even, don't even let that get to yet. When you start getting the the primo, the running backs to hold, running backs to be sure about, the running backs to buy low on, that is what you need. You need snap percentage, total snaps, touches. It's all you need. That's it. That is it. Then when you start getting in the middle, and the lower end running backs, you're trying to decide all. Then you start looking about how they're being used. Okay, they're getting the touches. Then target share, rush share, like I've been talking about. Yards per reception, yards per carry, fine. Right, yards per touch is the one I like to use because you always get more on obviously a reception than you do a, a rush attempt. All right, so that's where you start factoring those elements into it okay and that's those are the most important things for what for running backs for wide receivers let's get into that because i think there's important to have there as well for wide receivers it's a little bit different and it well it's different but it's not i guess it's not that different snaps you know i think snaps are important but it's one of those situations where a wide receiver, you want to, all right, dangerous for wide receivers. If, if a highly productive fantasy football wide receiver doesn't have 90% or more of snaps, they really, really are in trouble. That's where you're in a lot of trouble. And quite frankly, if you look at the Miami guys, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, they're not in the top 50 in snap percentage. Now, Tyree Kill... Two home games this year. He has cramped up and left the game in both. So that's a little bit worrisome. And the fact that Jalen Waddle's all the way down there at 75%, that's pretty shocking to me. That is very shocking. Obviously a little bit limited last week, but um, 74.1 for him. I mean, Michael Pittman's higher, and Michael Pittman missed the game. You know, so you that is a red flag. Red flags flying. And I'll get into buy low, sell high in a minute. But that's those are sell high guys. Massively productive, but not on the field a ton. And by the way, I'm not going to sell high on Waddle or Tyreek Hill because I believe in this offense. So just to be clear. Um, but here's what I want. Target share. I want to know. How much of that team's passing offense does that one wide receiver claim? I really, in years past, we were big fans of Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Well, well, not fans of necessarily Cousins, but we loved Justin Jefferson and we loved Adam Thielen. Why? That's the only two places the ball went. The ball went to those two, and if something had to happen, it was Dalvin Cook is the other one. It's the best situation in the world. That's exactly what you want. Now, obviously, we want that with a robust offense 
like uh, like the Bills or something, you know, highly productive offenses like the Bills, the Rams of last year, and, and so on and so forth. That's where the rubber meets the road. But high target shares, that's what we're looking for. That's what we want to invest in. All right? Obviously, need to be on the field. Obviously, need to run a ton of routes. Amount of snaps, snap percentage, routes run, target share. Okay? Targets are good, remember. But then targets are noisy because there are some shitty targets. If you want to get deeper, catchable target share. That's a that's a Pappy Man specialty, right? That's one of my favorites. And then, obviously... The ones, you know, receptions, that's all that data, all that, all those numbers are so much more important than the ones that get more attention, such as receptions, yards per target, yards per reception. Don't worry about that shit yet, especially if you're in a PPR league. Don't worry about that yet. The top end, you need all of it. The highest target share guys are Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Drake London, fourth. Look at that. 32.9%. Deontay Johnson has not fallen off, even without Roethlisberger. Now, the quality of those targets has gone in the turlet, but I digress. Amari Cooper, sixth. Amon Ross St. Brown, seventh. Jalen Waddle, eighth. Waddle's the one guy, 74%. He's got 29.7% target share, only 74.1% of snaps. 43 snaps a game. It's a very concentrated effort, which sends my red flags flying. Devontae Adams, ninth, even though it's been none of the last two weeks for some reason. Tyreek Hill, 10th in target share. So Miami, you're starting to see, all right, it's pretty high volume offense, yet very direct share going to those two wide receivers. We can handle that. We like that. By the way, if you want to keep going on this, um, Jamar Chase, Sterling Shepard was 12th on this list, just tore his ACL on Monday Night Football. We saw it happen. Terrible. Shepard was my buy low. He was uh, fucking all over that guy, all over him the last week. And I even got, I was able to claim him on waivers in a couple of my leagues and nope, gone. But you, those of you who know what you're talking about, your ears just perked up, right? You have a 28.2% target share to, and by the way, 82% snap share. You've got that up for grabs now in New York. Yeah. You should be licking your fucking chops. Licking your chops on that. By the way, any wide receiver with a 25% or higher target share is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely delicious. All right, that's what you strive for at the top end. Anybody over thirty is just fantastic. Those are stud. Those are your studs, and I think you notice it, right? I mean, when you look at Drake London, uh, Mari Cooper, obviously I'm on Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddle. I mean, but like London, Cooper, Waddle, most of us did not expect them to be up here in fantasy points at this point in time, right? We didn't expect them to be this high yet. Here we are. Waddle's fourth in points. Um, Amara Cooper's 12th in points. Drake is 14th in fantasy points amongst the wide receiver position, at least. So that that's what's important. Those are the numbers 
to look for. And then obviously maybe we'll get into this in future episodes, but that's, then we start looking at yards per route run yards per target yards per reception yards after the catch. What can they do there? Remember you can get, it's okay to get yards before the reception. That's your air yards, all that shit. Like Chris Olavi prairie yards. Shout out to my dude, Tyler Beaker on fancy guru. He hit me on the live stream. Our winners win live stream for DFS on Friday, last Friday night. We're talking about Chris Olave and his massive air yard total. And uh, and Tyler said prairie yards. And I said, oh, shit, I'm stealing that. I'll give him credit, but I'm stealing it. That's such a good – because it's all it is is prairie yards, especially when Winston was throwing it. But what I'm saying is they're okay. That's good. It's good when you do come down with the catch, you'll get a lot of yards. But you could also pick them up after the catch. And that's what Waddle – and Tyreek, this is what these guys are doing in Miami. They're catching the ball, short yards per um, route run, yards per reception, or yards uh, before the reception, but then gain a lot after. That's great. I'm, none of us give a shit how we get it, right? We just want those yards. Want those, want the catches, but we want those yards. And if they happen before, great. If they happen after. So there's a lot of different ways to acquire that the only way to acquire any of that though is to catch the ball. The only way to get to catch the ball is to be on the field and to grab when your team passes, grab a high share of those pass attempts. There you go. All right, let's get into some buy low, sell high, some players. So, I mean, again, I think well, I've done this right. This will open up a bunch of names that you'll see, you know, some aha moments for us. At least that's that's my dream and hope. So as we look at it, some buy low, players I'm buying on the low. I'm going to buy Matthew Stafford at quarterback. I don't see anything mechanically. I don't see anything arm-wise that says, oh, he's hurt. That's an excuse. It's like, you guys know it. You know, I... <laughs> Oh, God, I don't want to say something sexist here, but it's kind of – we all know or have known a female that – I'm not saying cramps aren't bad or your menstrual cycle's not bad. That's not what I'm saying. Some are terrible, but there's also ones that just – every time they are in a bad mood or get pissed off at work, they just kind of use that as an excuse. And for dudes, it's uh, – you know, we have something, some injury. We fake, oh, my knee's hurting, my back's hurting – you know, whatever it is, the people with fake in, you know, injuries, it's a crutch. It's not really wrong with Matthew Stafford. All right. So there's nothing wrong with it. Just don't use the crutch. He's, he's fine. So I'll buy low. I'm going to buy low on him. And I think if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he is QB 25 right now in fantasy football. Holy shit. That bad. He's completing 73% of his passes. But four touchdowns, five interceptions. That's an eighty-six percent rate. It's not that bad. Just gone back to the old Matt Stafford that's going to throw a lot of interceptions. But I'm going to buy low him. I'm buying low on Najee Harris. Oh my god! I can't believe people are selling off on Najee Harris. You guys are out of your fucking minds. Out of your mind. By the way, the uh, I don't think I I didn't go any further on the snap percentages, but I went to Mixon, who by the way, another one of my buy low candidates. Najee Harris is sixth in the league. He had his leg ripped off in week one. He had his leg fucking ripped off. He was stunned to play week two. Stunned. 
and he played, I think he played 75% of snaps in week two, but that, that and the injury dropped his overall number down a little bit. He's still sixth in the league. He's playing more than your precious Derrick Henry or even Zeke Elliott or anything else, Aaron Jones. I'm buying low on Najee. I'm buying low on Mixon. I'm buying low on James Conner. Now, Conner pisses me off. He's another guy. You want to talk about tap-out king? He's the tap-out king. Just a giant pussy. Just just as He just is. But, my God, you know, there's whispers. They want to get him more involved in the offense. There's a big thing on the Arizona News just the other night. And quite frankly, they need him. They need he's their finisher. He's the closer. He's the Mariona Rivera of that team. Kyler Murray can get you right down the field, running, throwing. He do all that shit. Kyler Murray cannot get an end zone unless he himself runs it or can throw a little swing pass. That's it. He cannot throw touchdown passes when he gets close up. He's too small. That's why Connor's numbers will be high. If you want a lower guy, Brees Hall. I fucking love Brees Hall, man. I, I love him. And I think you could wait a week. As right now, it might make sense to some people. Oh, yeah, Brees Hall. Michael Carter's got a 55% snap share to 45% for Brees Hall. Eh, not exactly where we want to be, but he's catching a ton of passes. The thing is, when Zach Wilson comes back, I don't think all those targets are going to be there. And the bigger, the bigger problem here is that Brees Hall is going to be used a lot more on the ground. Right now, Carter's got a 49% rush share, 36% for Hall. That is unhealthy, and it's idiotic. Idiotic for the Jets. I'm buying low on Brees Hall. If you watch him, you see it. In the open field, powerful, speedy, good hands. I'm buying low on him. I'm also buying low a couple... I don't think everyone's realizing how good Cortland Sutton is yet. Denver, everybody's selling off. It only could get better. Look at that. Look at Cortland Sutton. 27% snap share. Fucking uh, over 30% percentage of teams air yards. And granted, it's not great in Denver right now. He's the only passing weapon they have at all. So Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf in Seattle has yet to have that monster week this could be easily be it in detroit just manhandle people if you want to go lower down i talked about it the giants where are we going with this i'm i'm all over Kadarius tony he's my favorite buy low player of the right now only thing that worries me is he's in brian deball's doghouse constantly with the injuries he he's trying to become percy harvin where I'm not going to practice, but I definitely want to play. It's like the kid that doesn't want to eat his dinner, but wants the candy all the time. That is Kadarius Tony and Brian DeBall. No coach in the world is going to play for that shit. So it worries me a little bit, but you can get him for nothing. Absolutely nothing. And not only, I mean, takes over, I think takes over that share of Sterling Shepard. He is so much more electric and so much more dynamic than Sterling Shepard. Maybe not as sure-handed, but it is his second year in the league. We've seen these flashes out of Kadarius Tony in the past. He can really he, in this offense, this offense is designed for him. Wandale Robinson is significantly undersized and 
Kenny Galladay is basically a has-been at this point. So Tony is going to have to wise up. He's going to get his opportunity. Hopefully he's one of those kids that is young. And once he gets a taste of stardom, once he gets his diva moments, he'll be a lot more invested in the team and the practice and everything the coaching staff wants him to be. And then another one, I think right in the same ilk, it's George Pickens of the Steelers. All right. Uh, Popular guy that was picked in drafts when he really should not have been. However, I think we're starting to see it on last Thursday against the Cleveland Browns. He played 76% of snaps, played 85% the week before against New England, as a matter of fact. Um, But he got seven targets. He did make the great catch. He fucked up the one in the end zone. He should have went up with two hands, only went up with one. But this is this dude. He's a game breaker. And I I wasn't drafting him because I'm like, well, Trubisky is the starter. He there's nothing here with Pickens and Trubisky um that I was interested in. It was always when Kenny Pickett comes in. I feel that there's going it, it's going to be a statement that George Pickens could be he could overtake Deontay Johnson. I wouldn't be surprised. I really would not be surprised. I thought falsely that Trubisky would hold this job probably all year. I really did. My son drafted Kenny Pickett in a league. I'm like, yeah, it's dead money. It's a waste. What a waste. As I thought Trubisky would be good enough, and Steelers always win. And by the way, Steelers aren't kind of like at least they're competitive. I mean. I know Steelers fans and uh, that organization's not used to being under 500, but the fact that you have two losses by a combined 12 points, not so bad. Could have could be three, no, quite honestly, but they're not. And Trubisky is a big problem of that. And I think it's going to be a lot sooner going to Kenny Pickett, and that means George Pickens. So though, and then Kyle Pitts at the tight end position. Is uh, is the obvious choice there? The players that I'm selling high on now. This is the hardest thing for anybody to do. Buying low even is easy. What the natural instincts of every human being in fantasy sports wants to buy low, or I'm sorry, buy high and sell low because that's our natural emotions. Selling high means somebody has to be doing something. So I'm gonna try. I think any player that has a monster week. You should float them on the trade market in your league all of the time. All of the time. I don't give a fuck who it is because somebody will overpay. Somebody who had a bad week that will say, I just, I'm one and two, we're 0 and three, and I just need to shake things up, which is, you don't need to shake things up. These aren't people that know you exist. So you don't really need to do anything. Actually, by shaking things up, you're just more randomizing your likely outcome. But okay, whatever. Take advantage of those people. And they'll always gravitate towards whoever had the great week this week. And you'll take two to three starters from them. Bing, boom, bang. I'm selling high on Carson Wentz. All right. I'm going to sell high on Wentz for sure right now. Um, I Tua? I do believe in Tua long-term, but I think maybe. And based on my dude Armando Marsal, uh, who's down there in South Beach. By the way, all the people, all of our people, all my listeners in Florida, man, fucking stay safe. Be careful. Please, please be cool and help each other out down there. 
it is, you know, I want y'all to be safe. I've got family down in Florida. I've got, we got some coworkers. My guy, Chris Rose, Armando Marsal here at the site and, uh, you know, just stay safe. We need you all. And uh, that's some fucking crazy ass hurricane shit going on down there. So um, be safe. But Armando says people are saying Tua's the next Brady, so on and so forth. If you if you can trade Tua, you likely drafted him as your your QB two, and if you're in a one quarterback league and you could swing trade him right now for a starting running back or receiver, you do it. You just do it. So I'm selling high on him too. Selling high on Derrick Henry. I told you it was coming. He have a big week, and now you sell, and now you don't want to sell because I know you don't want to sell, but you should be selling on Derrick Henry. That he's easy to bring down. His he had a massive, massive spike in his receiving. His first five catches of the year were all last week for his first fifty-eight yards. So, but Henry also fumbled. He is averaging under three and a half yards per carry, less half fifty percent of his yards after contact than he has in the past. Obviously, not the same guy. And I would sell high on him. Cordero Patterson needs no explanation. Trade. You, if you, you're a genius, honestly, you disobeyed my advice for on Patterson and drafted him or got him. You used him for three, four weeks now, and now you trade him. That, that would be the genius move. It's you're going to screw it up by holding on to him. And you know how this is going to go. We all know how it's going to go with him. So sell, get out of Dodge. Now you've gotten, if you get equal return, oh man, it's just the most, I almost, I desperately wish I had Cordero Patterson on any team because the opportunity for a trade would be so immense right now that it makes me mad. I didn't draft any of them. Marquise Hollywood Brown, you know what it is in three weeks. It's Derek or uh, DeAndre Hopkins time and Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yikes. Greg Dorch is a more reliable receiver for Kyler Murray right now than Brown sell high Jahan Dotson sell high Romeo dubs. I like him long-term this season, but I like him more weeks sort of 11 through 13 or 11 through 17 or 13 through 17. <laughs> if you can scoop a guy off waivers and trade him for another solidified starting caliber player, you do it. Tight end position, David Njoku coming off that monster Thursday game sell high immediately so there you go um real quick superman's bowl superdraft.com now a couple of things with this uh so the contest now is passed is going to be password protected okay so what does that mean the password is elite e-l-i-t-e all right it's still the same link play.superdraft.io slash mans m-a-n-s that's play dot superdraft dot i-o slash mans that's always the link the contest will go live on wednesdays it's for the sunday so if you can't get a monday tuesday don't freak out but there are some stipulations for for week four through 16 you have to have a super draft account and you have to be logged in all right you have to have made a deposit at least at some point. And if you've never played on there, $10 minimum deposit, play in one contest, either DFS, baseball, it could be anything. 
they have DFS and they also have prop bet contests. And actually, uh, they told me that if you have never played in a contest, if you deposit the $10 and you play in the Thursday night, if you play my bets or any, any bets on or DFS on Thursday with the Miami and Cincinnati game, that all you have to do is screenshot your contest to them at support at superdraft.io. And then you, uh, you get your money. They will refund you your $10 play, but you have to have played in a contest. Now, if you've played on Superdraft hundreds of times and long time before, like the majority of you totally fine, you're already in. It's fine. But they are sealing it off to only players that have actually that have actually played on the site. All right, so you have to have an account, make a deposit of ten dollars or more, play at least one DFS contest or prop bet contest, and again, you can get your money back for that. And then you don't have to play; it's you don't have to play every week. You just have to have done one. Break that seal, I guess, is the ultimate thing. So that's the only way to be truly qualified for the. Superman's contest. That means um, flying out to Arizona, two tickets to Super Bowl 57, Buffalo Bills versus Philadelphia Eagles, most likely. And let me just tell you, this fucking, this fucking thing is shaping up to be amazing. I can't, I have not announced anything yet, but it looks like we're going to be hosting a massive Super Bowl party. Um, we are going to have a lot of elite mafia members out here both subscribers and our talent, our uh, our employees, if you will. We are looking at having DJs. We're looking at having prizes. And, man, it's going to be fucking phenomenal. And if you've never been to Arizona in February, this is why I live here. It's not for June through August. It is fucking – it is October through May. That is when the weather is the most beautiful and every day is just paradise. And February, it's going to be great. Get out of the cold. Go to Super Bowl 57. Hang out with us. We're going to be partying the whole fucking week. We'll be doing live shows, this podcast. You can be around all of it. If you're out here, you're part of the Elite Mafia, you listen to the pod, you listen, you're a member of Fantasy Guru, fucking you're, you're part of us. That's how we roll. So get in the contest and get it all paid for. Um, from Super Draft, but that's the stipulation. Hit me up at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter or in Discord if you have any further questions with that, or please email the Super Draft support as well because, like, I I don't know all of their stipulations, right? I only do what they tell me that they're doing. I'm not going to bitch when they're giving us Super Bowl tickets and they're they're flying people out and putting up everybody out and putting up this unbelievably awesome contest. Uh, I'm not going to bitch about that. And it's free. It's still free to enter, by the way. It's always going to be free. Uh, shout out to King David 318. Shit. King David, two weeks in a row winner uh, or on top of the leaderboard through three weeks. Union Boy 322, 4K crew in third place. Philly P. In fourth, Beehive in fifth, Bodacious Beer? Is that my motherfucking Rich Milano up in here? Hey, you guys can let a, a fucking fantasy guru employee win this thing? Oh, man, that's my guy. Uh, Josh WA1906 in seventh place, KOW21 in eighth, Kettle, K-E-T-T-L-E in ninth, T-Hawk 47 
in 10th place right there. So I, mean, I see a lot of familiar names as I'm cycling through this leaderboard. Um, keep them coming, everybody. Remember, all you have to do is qualify and then win in week 17. You win weekly money. It's not just this contest. You can win 25 bucks or whatever, $100 a week, okay? And as long as you maintain, hit a certain point threshold, which is like, I think 500 people right now. All right. Then you play for the championship in week 17. That's where you win the Super Bowl tickets. $1,500. If you don't even get to go on the trip, you win 1500 bucks. Fuck it. Fly here anyway. $1,000 for third, $500 for fourth, 250 and then a you know, bunch of cash all the way through the top 50 of you get paid money for a free contest. So it's worth it. It's not going to harm you you know, depositing or playing in a contest. It's not that big of a deal. Get over there, play.superdraft.io slash mans and come hang out with us for the Super Bowl. All right, let's get into uh, my bets, Survivor Pool. Survivor's easy this week for me. Still somehow alive. I don't know how I've navigated this. I've had some bad Survivor picks, but somehow I still got, the only three con- survivor contests that I'm in, I'm still alive somehow. I have just been able to dodge that. I'm going Green Bay Packers this week at home. New England is always a threat. But A, I don't like Green Bay in a lot of these matchups normally. No Mac Jones for New England. There's just no threats here. Um offensively green Bay is only going to get better offensively. New England just got a lot worse uh, offensively. Their secondary is purely in shambles. There is a real, it's the worst secondary I've ever seen in a bill Belichick team through three games. So I'm going green Bay, my bet of the week. Here's one. So funny. I love the reactionary Vegas betting lines and the game. I'm going to Cleveland and Atlanta. Cleveland, Atlanta, somehow last week, uh, you guys know that I think it was on this podcast, right? Or uh, I can't remember what show I gave this particular uh, bet out to, but I loved the Seahawks, Atlanta Falcon over because, well, that was an easy one. And they were one point away from going over at halftime. So obviously we cashed that one mighty easily. Um The Falcons and the Browns, this is two very, very slow-moving teams. The the Browns are um, dead last when they, in their pace of play, when they're trailing, (laughs) if you can believe that. They're fifth slowest team in neutral settings. And they're eighth slowest when they actually, and uh, I'm sorry, when they're, um, yeah, when they're ahead, they're they played faster when they're ahead. Again, they're a slow moving team, as is Atlanta. Atlanta's got is 22nd in pace of play uh, this season. They're actually 24th when they're trailing by seven or more. This is just a slow game. Why in the hell is the over under 49 and a half? It's fucking ridiculous. Under. All the way under. I like Nick Chubb. I'm fine with Amari Cooper. I'm fine with Pitts and Drake London. They're not going to score fast all over each other. Cleveland's defense is pretty goddamn good. 
So that's under 49 and a half. Lock that in. And then my upset of the week, uh, you know, there's a lot of very close games this week. And thus, it's not going to be a major upset. But I think the Cardinals beat the Panthers. I've seen nothing out of Carolina over the first three weeks that I, I predicted that they could win that division. They're in second place, and if you believe that, and they have, they're the only team besides Tampa Bay who's two and one with a positive uh, point differential. Panthers have talent, but I think Arizona's just got way too much, and I think they both fall or uh, that Arizona gets the two and two after a win at Carolina. They'll upset them on the road this week. All right, folks, that's gonna do it. Episode 130, now in the books. Hopefully we learned something and you got something from this episode. I know I have to holler and bark at you every now and then, but I hope you know it's done with respect. It's done with love. We're all on the same page. I have nothing but interest in helping you win. DFS, betting, seasonal, fucking life. I don't care. I'm on your side. Let's remember to be on each other's side. Let's remember to hold, put down our swords, let things play out, and always keep our feet moving. That's what we need to do to get to where we all want to go. And we can get there together. All right. You may disagree with some or everything that you heard on today's show. And that's perfectly all right with me. Why? You know why? Because it was just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!